Hi, everyone. Welcome to the December 5th ASF Weekly Science Podcast. How did it get to be December already? Now, before and during and after the pandemic, mental health challenges continued to plague people with autism, and they still do. These things can range from anything from depression to anxiety, being withdrawn, aggressive, or other manifestations of mental health issues. Together, they can be categorized into internalizing versus externalizing. Internalizing behaviors are things like depression and anxiety, which is more like turning your pain or your feelings inwards. Aggression is more externalizing it, turning it outwards. And while we're talking about pandemic, the pandemic was what is known as a stressful life event. But there are others, like the death of someone in the family, losing a job, moving... And in everyone, these stressful life events have consequences on mental health. They can last for a while, too. They can last for a while, too, having consequences way beyond childhood and into adulthood. I don't want to cause parent guilt because there are plenty of stressful life events that are unavoidable, but having a second child is also a stressful life event. Doesn't mean people should stop having kids if they choose to expand their family but it is a stressful life event. But what about people with autism specifically? How do they respond to stressful life events? What are the effects of stressful life events in people with autism, including but not limited to the pandemic? What effects do they have on mental health? And is there some target that can help? Now, as it turns out, in typically developing people, something called Cognitive shifting ability can alter the association between stressful life events and later mental health. What is cognitive shifting ability? This is the ability to shift to different thoughts or actions depending on situational events and help control emotional reactivity. It allows someone to develop a well-organized response in an efficient manner and acted in a goal-directed way. This allows someone to be better able to adapt to novel situations and apply those problem-solving skills. It's the way we deal with the ongoing interaction between the environment, cognitive cues, and planning and goals and thinking forward. Now, one part of cognitive flexibility is called executive function. Executive function is all the mental processes that enable us to plan, focus attention, remember instructions, and juggle multiple tasks successfully. For most moms, this is life every day. Now imagine trying to plan a party. Party planners and event planners need great executive functioning. Cognitive flexibility may cause rumination. Party planners and event planners need executive function. They need to be handling multiple things at once, thinking about what's going on now and what needs to happen two weeks from now, three weeks from now, a month from now, and what they need to do to get there. Now, cognitive flexibility, as you think about this, may stop things like rumination on things that are stressful and improve mental health overall. Guess who, though, as a whole, has shown issues in cognitive flexibility, which may make them more vulnerable to stressful life events? Yes, autistics. And I'll clarify right here that cognitive flexibility is not intellectual ability. It's problems shifting back and forth or thinking about things in a different way. Intellectual ability is the capacity of memory, reasoning, solving problems. 
it's more stable than cognitive flexibility. Now, something called stressful life events are better studied in a before or after design or something that looks at people over a long period of time because they last for a while. And while it's an individual rather than a group trait, it needs to be examined individually. So researchers in Canada and the UK collaborated and employed a longitudinal study design to look at stressful life events. Then they focused on mental health issues and autism symptoms across ages 3 to 11, give or take. So these are kids and adolescents. There were multiple time points, multiple assessments, and different types of mental health concerns. So there was a lot of analyses to dissect. Also, they looked at the bi-directional relationship between stressful life events and mental health. Did pre-existing mental health have anything to do with the effects of a stressful life event? Okay, since there's so much data here and so many analyses, I'll just skip to the good part. Now, if you go straight from stressful life events to mental health or back again, there's really no association in people with autism. But when you add cognitive flexibility in the middle as a moderator, you do see an effect, specifically looking at those who had clinically significant problems in cognitive flexibility versus those that did not have any issues with cognitive flexibility. There was a pathway from stressful life events to internalizing problems in those with issues with cognitive flexibility. There really wasn't any relationship to those who did not have problems with cognitive flexibility. So this is a moderating effect on the relationship between poor cognitive flexibility and poor mental health after stressful life events. Again, it's not IQ, it's specific to cognitive flexibility. So when thinking about the link between stressful life events and mental health, how does it go through cognitive flexibility and why? Well, the authors want you to know that first the effect size was small, so it clearly didn't explain all the differences in mental health issues. Of course, what does explain everything? Nothing. Second, it was only for internalizing symptoms like depression and anxiety. They found that externalizing symptoms like aggression and they found that externalizing symptoms like aggression and conflict disorder tended to be pretty stable. Of course, this is not an absolute relationship. There were lots of people, autistic or not, that become frustrated and aggressive after stressful life events. Or there may be another moderator that's not cognitive flexibility that's at play here. But as a mechanism, there should be more research on cognitive flexibility. And guess what? There is. Blessed be the fruit of the research in this area. In fact, there's enough information on the link between mental health as a cog In fact, there's enough information on the link between mental health and cognitive flexibility in general without stressful life events as a trigger to do a systematic review and meta-analysis of the existing literature. And that's what a group in the United Kingdom did. They looked at a total of 21 studies on cognitive inflexibility and internalizing symptoms like anxiety and depression and 15 studies of cognitive inflexibility and externalizing behaviors like conduct issues, aggression, and oppositional defiant disorder. Like the last study, 
Grouping them as internalizing versus externalizing allows them to be studied better, and it also doesn't worry about misdiagnosis of, say, depression or another mood disorder or whatever. They're all in the same category as internalizing or externalizing. So the systematic review found that most of the studies use something called a brief rating inventory of executive function, which is a parent report, and then a lot of them use a task-based measure, meaning they had to perform some tasks in a clinic or something to test the cognitive flexibility skills in adolescents and adults. So there was some variability for sure there. They were looking sometimes at different measures, but they took that into account when they looked at whether or not there was a difference and how big that difference was. Again, I'll get to the point. Across all of the studies, let me, across all the studies, there was a consistent and moderate to large effect between cognitive inflexibility and greater internalizing behavior and externalizing behavior in adolescents with autism. Some studies included those with autism and ADHD, but the effect was strong even though, even just for those with autism. There really wasn't much heterogeneity in the findings. They were pretty much all consistent in terms of effect. The greater the cognitive inflexibility, the greater the internalizing behavior like anxiety and depression or externalizing symptoms. It was found for those studies that relied on parents to report on the cognitive flexibility or if a clinician observed it in the office with a task. This means that it may be a transdiagnostic factor. It is there no matter how you look at it, and it's impairing across different diagnoses like ADHD and autism. So these things can increase the vulnerability to rigid or perseverative patterns in thinking, which is like rumination, and that leads to poor emotional regulation ability. One person on this paper, Matthew Hollocks, has been studying cognitive flexibility over time and seen one person on this paper, Matthew Hollocks, has also published a study on cognitive inflexibility over time and found that the cognitive inflexibility seen at age 16 is continued to be apparent in symptoms of anxiety and depression way into the 20s. So now we know how stressful life events are deleterious to mental health because of cognitive inflexibility. Cognitive Flexibility on its own is also linked to mental health, including emotional reactivity. It's likely based on other studies to be linked to anxiety as well. So should cognitive flexibility be a target of interventions, especially in, say, pre-teenagers or pre-adolescents? Because this is when emotional issues are at their peak anyway. Now, I explored more about how to help kids with cognitive inflexibility, They gave advice to parents like turning changes into adventures, but I'm sorry, I don't find that helpful. While it's not a therapy for cognitive inflexibility, supporting your child through these times and easing the stress may be important for mental health. For example, always have your child prepared for what is going to happen. Talk about what's going to happen in a step-by-step and a reassuring tone. Explain in concrete terms what you're doing, where you're going, what will happen along the way, time estimates if possible, and keep reminding them of that. Speaking of time, giving them a clock, a watch, or a calendar really helps understand what is happening in real time and what to expect in hours, days, or weeks. Then, as they feel more and more supported, 
think about changing things up a bit and allowing to be uncomfortable in the not knowing and the not preparing and being able to deal with that. Now, there was one study in 2017 in Brazil, about 30% had a deficient, and in those words, I don't know what that means, clinical IQ, using a test called the RAVEN. They also used tests of cognitive flexibility, and they let them practice each test and do them over and over, explaining what each test was needed. Also, the tests were moved up each week. So a couple tests in the first week they got to practice with, a couple in the second week until they got better and better by the last test. Now, these tests were anything from improving a conversation to a new situation. They read stories. They played games where they had to solve puzzles in different ways. They even did things like putting puzzle sticks together in a shape and repeating it as a different shape. It was that sort of thing. The training helped. I mean, it helped in many but not all of the measures. It was a small study and just one particular method that, frankly, takes a lot of time to administer all of these tests over and over again and have everyone practice these tasks. But improving cognitive ability, but improving cognitive flexibility is a long game. It takes practice. And it's something that most of us experience, so some people can take the advice given even if you're not on the spectrum. This method, among others, can improve cognitive flexibility. But no study so far, at least that I can find, had looked at interventions for cognitive flexibility and looked at the outcome of mental health issues. That may be something to do in the future. Anyway, I have some podcasts in the Anyway, I have some recommendations in the podcast summary about helping cognitive flexibility. Good luck and talk to you in two weeks. I apologize I'm traveling next week and there will be no podcast.